Hey, everybody. Good morning. So my name's Sean, as I've mentioned already, and I, uh, and I help with the city group, and I'm going to be reading out of uh, the word of the Lord today. So Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mark 4, 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. morning. My name is Jacob Beach. I'm one of the pastors here at Scarlet City Church. And our five-year-old, her name is Noelle, and one of her favorite things to do is to fix the microphone. Hold on. One of her favorite things, oh, there we go. Y'all can hear me now. My voice is usually so quiet. One of her favorite things to do is to self-identify with characters from books and TV shows and movies. And just before she was born, one of my best friends, Tony, he was living with my wife and I, and he gifted us with a book, a children's book, called Darth Vader and Son. Now, I also picked up the other uh, book in the pair called Vader's Little Princess. And these are these uh, cutesy little books uh, that kind of pretend that Luke and Leia actually grew up with Darth Vader as their father. You know, they're trying to get ice cream and cookies and using the force and things like that. Now, these books uh, have gotten into her head that she is Princess Leia, right? She's this little kid. She's Princess Leia, which means that I, as her father, I'm Darth Vader. And as I've been re-watching some of the Star Wars movies over the past couple weeks... Uh, if she walks through, or often she'll watch them with me, and Vader comes on the screen, she says, look, Daddy, it's you. And Darth Vader is, uh, you know, one of the most notorious villains, evil villains in the history of movies, so it's kind of a tough look for me. And Vader spends most of his adult life as a father trying to destroy all that is good. He wants to take out his daughter, he wants to turn over his son to the dark side. And throughout the arc of the story in these Star Wars movies, if you're re-watching them, having seen them before, then you already know the ending. You already know how it's going to end. Vader is going to, spoiler alert, 30, 40 years old. No, it's probably like 60 years old. How old is Star Wars? Old. Don't talk about how old it is. Uh, if you're re-watching them, you already know what's going to happen, right? Vader is going to step up in the final moment and kind of save his children. But the whole middle part, the whole arc of the Star Wars movies, it's 
a lot of waiting. You know, you're waiting for the ending, waiting for resolution, for redemption, for the discomfort to be abated. Waiting for this powerful overlord father to come to the aid of his own children. And in that waiting, there's chaos, there's battles, there's discomfort, there's unknown. And if you don't know the ending, then you're left waiting and wondering, how is this going to work out? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Is someone who cares going to show up? Is the mighty one with all the power, are they going to use that power to save everyone? Is the mentor going to be present and give guidance? This morning we're continuing our Advent series, looking at the names of Jesus given in Isaiah 9-6, what those names mean and why they're good news to us. The past two weeks we've looked at the name Mighty God and Prince of Peace, and this morning we're going to center our focus on Jesus as the wonderful counselor. So would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we ask you this morning to be with us, to speak to us, to be present among us this morning. You would comfort us and that you would be who you are, a loving Father, a wonderful counselor to us this morning. Amen. Now, wonderful counselor, it's a two-word title given to Jesus by Isaiah in a prophecy that came nearly 800 years before Jesus was born. And it's a simple title, yet it's packed with meaning. It indicates the kind of character that this coming king is going to have. Now, wonderful. Wonderful means incomprehensible. This Messiah is going to come to the world, and it's going to be full of wonder. Now, often we use this term today when we think something is really nice or enjoyable or really great. But this word, this old-timey word, this old Hebrew word, It means a phenomenon, something that lies outside of human explanation. It's separated, separate from the normal. It's miraculous, awe-inspiring. Our ability to understand it and explain it is limited. This is the kind of wonder that makes you drop to your knees. And today I wonder if we might be spoiled a little bit at wonder. Science and technology are pretty awesome, really amazing. I talked a few weeks ago about how most of us in this room, we have a little square thing in our pocket. You could spend 30 seconds on there, and two days later, anything could show up on your door in a package. We have metal tubes that fly through the sky, can take us anywhere we want to go. For one dollar at any gas station in this city, you can buy a little trinket that literally creates fire. Magnets, how do those work? Your favorite team, maybe, they're losing the game, and one moment later, it's over, you've won, the final play, they they scored, it's a miracle, thank you, Lord. Look down upon our Buckeyes and give them divine favor. All of these things are wondrous, in a way, and they are, they really are wonderful. They're definitely cool. But I wonder, has it lowered our view, our understanding of what is truly outside of human explanation? 
Isaiah here is declaring that the coming Christ would be a wonder. Not just what he will do, but who he actually is. Who he is. He himself is the wonder. And wrapped up in that wonder, he's also a counselor. He's a king who gives wise counsel to his people. Long before the child was born and a son was given, Isaiah tells us that God is sending a counselor to the brokenhearted in this world. John chapter 2 says that he knows what is in each and every person. In Colossians, it says that in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He understands human nature, both as the creator of humanity and also by choosing to actually live it out in a real living human body. Hebrews tells us that he understands everything that we experience, and he always knows the right course of action. When these two things are combined, wonderful and counselor, we see something that is utterly unique. Jesus has the power to do anything that he wants, yet also is close to us. He has all the tools, and he desires still to be near to us, caring and guiding, loving and counseling. And it's these characteristics of his being, of his person, that we are going to lean into this morning. In the Advent season, the season of waiting for Jesus to arrive, waiting for the Christmas celebration, this is the time of year that we're actually encouraged to come face to face with our own uncomfortability, our impatience, our pain, our suffering, our grief. We're encouraged to ask the question, how much longer, Lord? We can't shy away from those feelings, those questions, that experience of waiting. Jesus himself wouldn't want us to not express those things that we experience because we all do experience them. That's what waiting feels like. That's what Advent is. And Jesus does arrive, right? He, he does come to us. He does enter the fray. He gives us hope. He gives us something to trust in, something to believe in, something to look forward to. He's perfect in his timing, perfect in his timing. He shows up. He uses his power. He comes close. And how can we know? How can we know that he is a wonderful counselor? How are we supposed to trust in his timing when we don't know how everything is going to end? What do we do when it feels like Darth Vader and the forces of evil are going to win out we don't know how much longer we can hold on. Well, I'm glad you asked because this morning we're going to look at a story in Jesus' life and see that in the waiting we can fully trust that he is perfect in his timing. So let's look at Mark 4, 45, excuse me, 35 through 41. Picking up the story that Sean read for us, uh, just before, it's been a long day for Jesus and the disciples. They've been ministering to people. Jesus has been doing a ton of teaching. And in the evening, they jump into a boat, and they go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And as the boat drifted, Jesus, too, drifted off to sleep on a pillow. And yes, it's pronounced pillow in the back of the boat. 
and the chaotic storm comes upon them. The, the text says a furious squall. I love that phrasing. The waves are crashing on this tiny little boat. They're taking on water. The boat is beginning to sink. And the disciples cry out. They say, Jesus, do you not see what's going on here? Do you not care for us? Does it not matter that we're all going to die? We're going to drown. We're dying. Save us. Save us, Lord. And Jesus rises up from his pillow and he rebukes the wind. He says, waves, be quiet, be still. Order is brought to the chaos. The tempest subsides into utter calm. The command of the creator brings stability and safety. And to his disciples, he asks, why were you afraid? Have you not seen me do great things? After all this time, have you not seen my power, my goodness, my faithfulness? You know me. Don't worry. I'm here. I'm here. And the disciples were terrified at seeing this miracle. Who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? This passage is one that may be familiar to some of us. It's popular among children. It's one of those stories that kind of sticks in the back of your head, right? Jesus feeding 5,000 with a few loaves and a few fish, walking on water and calming the storm. Jesus' disciples are first terrified when the storm encompasses them, only to become eyewitnesses to yet another dramatic display of Jesus' power. Not only do do they see Jesus' power at work, but they're also beneficiaries of that power, of Jesus' presence. It gives them life when they fear death. Jesus' closeness brings them comfort. It calms the commotion internally and externally. So using the lens of Isaiah's prophecy that Jesus would be our wonderful counselor, let's look at how this passage This passage encourages us to remember that he is perfect in his timing, specifically as we experience chaos in this life. First, in chaos, we wait for Jesus to show up. When we're surrounded by the unknown, when we are afraid of the things that aren't going to work out for us, when we begin to believe that we aren't good enough, that we don't deserve love, When we're experiencing chaos, it's in that place that we wait for Jesus to enter the scene. These disciples are afraid. They see no clear, simple solution to the storm that has overcome them. So they wait. They wait expectantly for Jesus to do something. And after all, they were in the boat in the first place because they had followed Jesus. Had they stayed home, had they not entered the arena, had they not followed Jesus in the first place, they wouldn't have even been here in this challenging moment. And when it's easy to be a Christian, when when it's easy, when life has no challenges, faith can be hard to define. But when it's hard living life, when it's hard to be a Christian, then faith is simply trust. It's expectation that Jesus is going to show up in our lives. When trouble came to the disciples, they called upon the Lord. They knew that he was their only hope. 
waiting for someone to show up can be uncomfortable. Think about being in a movie theater. You, know, you get there first, you're meeting someone there, you put your coat on the chair next to you, and as the room begins to fill up, you know, chairs are getting scarce, the anxiety starts to set in. Someone asks, oh, is someone sitting here? Yes, yes, someone's sitting here, I promise. Look, here's a picture of them, it's a real person, they're promise. I promise they're coming. And then there's more serious situations where discomfort is really internalized. Waiting to be picked up from school, not knowing when you're going to be picked up. Waiting for the doctor to enter the surgery room. Waiting for an approval letter to come in the mail. Many of you know that I have somewhat serious issues with my back. And recently I've been going to see a neurologist who wants to give me an epidural in my spine. Sounds fairly uncomfortable, but hopefully brings some relief. And I've had to jump through a lot of hoops, uh, figuratively, thankfully, uh, to ensure that uh, my insurance will assist in this cost. And I've been waiting for two months for this approval, and it keeps getting bumped back. It's delayed, hindered. And my prayer to the Lord in the midst of this waiting has been, Lord, please make this process work out. Please help me. Let this assistance come through, waiting, and I'm still waiting. And I have to trust in the midst of situations like this that Jesus' sovereignty over my life is one of caring. We have to wait, all of us, when, they're, when we're in the midst of the storm, for Jesus to show up with his wonderful counsel. I want to be expectant in that waiting expecting that whatever the Lord has for me, for us, that if our, our flourishing, our good, our growth is in his heart, then we can trust him. We don't wait without expectation. We may not have the power or the wisdom that God has, but we wait knowing that Jesus holds those things. And it may be cliche and even annoying in certain situations, but Romans 8.28 is still true. That God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Which is why in the chaos, we wait for Jesus to show up. We wait because he is perfect in his timing. Secondly, in the chaos, we trust in Jesus' power. When the disciples needed help, they knew who to call, not Ghostbusters, but Jesus. And why is it that they call upon him? Because they knew that he was different, that he was unique. They had, tra- they had traveled with him for some time. They had seen him do wondrous things. They knew him to be wonderful. They knew him to be incomprehensible. Jesus was something outside of human explanation. And if anyone was going to save this sinking ship, it was going to be him. And Jesus gets up from his cushion and he rebukes the wind and the waves saying, be quiet, be still. And creation itself obeys the command of its creator. And when we want something, we have to appeal to the right authority, right? May I speak with your manager? Could you please transfer me to someone who could answer my question? 
When we're in need, we have to appeal to the highest power. In chaos, we should not only appeal to the highest power of Jesus, but we should also trust in the power that he has. He's not an unconcerned manager. He isn't a helpless operator. Here, Jesus is the only real and sure solution in the storm. In their time of need, the disciples appeal to the power of the wonderful counselor. And with a word, Jesus brings order to the chaos. He calms the chaotic seas. And in our lives, like a protective older brother on the playground, we put our hope in his wonder. We place our fragile trust in his power. And one of the hardest things about faith and trust and and hope is that they aren't perfectly solid things. Faith, by definition, is believing in something that we aren't 100% sure of. I don't place my faith or trust in the sun because every morning it rises. It's consistent. And likewise, on the other side of the coin, I don't put my faith in my car because it's going to break down. It's always on its way to breaking down. I can't feel utterly secure in something that doesn't have power in itself to be perfect and timely. It's Jesus' wonderful power and ability that we put our faith in. Our hope is that whatever befalls me, whatever storm overcomes me, he dominates all. He triumphs over all rule and authority in this world. That is our God. That is our Redeemer, our coming King, the child that is born, the son that is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He's at the top. It's good news in a world like ours where so many who do have power abuse it. It's important here, too, to recognize that this isn't a promise that he will calm every storm immediately and completely in this life. That's the difference between the true gospel message and the false gospel of health and wealth and prosperity. It's foundationally important to our faith to recognize that Jesus in any moment can say, rain, rain, go away. But instead, he often allows chaos and the storms to blow in, knowing that his grace to us in the storm is perfect and beautiful. You will face persecution. You will go through seasons short or long of pain and suffering. All of life on this earth is living in brokenness. Even at our best, we're living in brokenness. We cannot escape it. We have to come to grips with the fact that he may not calm the storm completely. That reality doesn't change the truth of who he is in power, in timing, and in grace. And I can't sit up here and tell you that everything is going to work out the way that you hope it will, that you want it to. My life isn't working out the way that I want it to. And not in the way of, oh, there's a you know, few things that aren't necessarily what I prefer, but there's, there's hurt, there's difficulty. This is hard. This life is difficult. Why, Lord, have you chosen to work in this way? 
Our place in creation is to be creation to His Creator. Immensely important. If we're going to believe that God is either powerless to change anything or we might be prone to thinking that He's like a kid on an anthill relishing in our demise. We're not seeing Him truly as who He is. We can't trust Him if we don't believe that He uses His power for our good and flourishing. Which is why in the chaos, we trust in Jesus' power. We trust in Him because He's perfect in His timing. Understanding this power leads us exactly to our final observation, and that is that in chaos, we pursue Jesus' presence. Jesus' wonder and power aren't encouraging to us if He is not also present with us. If He is wonderful without counselor, then we miss the supreme comfort that He offers us in this life. One of His greatest gifts to us is His very real presence. Our hope is not only in a future promise that's yet to come, future redemption, future peace, but our hope has personality, it has proximity, it has presence. After calming the storm, Jesus asks his disciples in verse 40, why were you so afraid? Why are you afraid? You still have no faith. It sounds to us kind of cutting and harsh the way that Jesus is speaking to them, but Jesus is comforting his younger siblings here. You don't need to live in fear because I am always with you. I am here. I am present. I am your counselor. I'm here to give you security and peace, rest, and confidence. The dock is always in. Jesus is here. He's in this place. He's close. He's ready now, today, currently. He's not a distant king. He's not an absent caregiver. He's not left us to fend for ourselves. DMX said, knock, knock, open up the door, it's real. And Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened to you. He's the good neighbor who has everything you lack in your recipe. And this is why we should be encouraged to seek after him, to pursue his presence in the midst of chaos in our lives. He's in the storm with the disciples and with us, but he isn't afraid. He isn't worried of how it's going to work out. It's crazy. I think that's so wild that Jesus is never worried. He never has anxiety. This is critical for us because there will be storms ahead. If you aren't already in one, you will be. Following Jesus doesn't mean that the storms are not going to blow into your life. But he is with us. He is here counseling and caring, calling out to us. He doesn't just wind up the clock and let it tick. He remains present with us in the storm. And he reassures us. I'm your only true and sure answer. Only by leaning on me can you endure this storm. I have joy. I have peace to offer you in the midst of the storm. 
Only by trusting in me can you learn and grow in the midst of this storm. He's gracious to us. He carries us through in the storm. Jesus reveals himself in new and unexpected ways. He doesn't want us to walk this path alone. And it's interesting how being in a different context with someone can give you a new view of them, a different side that you hadn't seen before, one that you may not have been aware of previously. I went to school in North Carolina with a guy named Aaron. Uh, When I first met him, he was a very kind, quiet guy, very contemplative, always chose his words wisely. He wore normal clothes, whatever that's supposed to mean, just regular guy. And anyway, one day he invited me to play basketball with him in the morning. I love playing basketball, but I'm aggressively average. And I show up to the gym, and he's there, and we're kind of putting our shoes on. He puts on some, you know, kind of ratty, half-torn-up old basketball shoes and takes his coat off, and he's, like, muscular. He's got some guns, okay? Maybe you would even call him ripped. And I think, okay, I I didn't expect this guy to be rolling up with this. And uh, so we start playing, okay? And uh, he's just crossing dudes over, okay? He's throwing no-look passes, just splashing from deep. Like, he's reining it in. And I'm up here like, oh, gosh, is that the same guy? This dude is a baller. He wears dockers and dress shoes. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just didn't expect it. And I came to find out this guy walked on to Wake Forest in college. That's a good basketball school. He played with guys that are in the NBA right now. And and it wasn't until I was in this new context with him, this new setting that I experienced him as the dominant basketball player. New aspects of his person were revealed to me in the gym. We see Jesus here using the context of the storm to reveal to his disciples his power and his care. He shows himself to be a wonderful counselor to them in a way that they hadn't experienced him before. And the disciples, they have a similar reaction here in in verse 41. They say, who is this man? Jesus has brought his grace to them in the storm, and he wants us to experience his presence and counsel in the storm. And I know there are people in this room who can say amen, that it was only through the storm that you experienced Jesus' closeness in care in a new, unique, and different way. Some of you here can testify that it was only in the storm that you had a deep understanding, a new understanding of who Jesus really is in your life. His grace was right on time, right when you needed it, right when you thought you were at the end of your rope, which is why in the chaos... We pursue Jesus' presence. 
We pursue His presence because He is perfect in His timing, even in the midst of our storms. So as we leave here this morning in the middle of this Advent season of waiting, let us stand in awe of our wonderful Counselor. Jesus is truly wonderful. In His power, He wants to be close to us. He wants to give us wise counsel. He wants to be with us. And let us utilize that wise counsel. Let us utilize the wonderful counselor. He invites us to go for it, to enter the arena, to actually test him. Not like a test to trick him, but to actually see if he's there, if he's real, if he's close to us, if he's powerful, if he's wise. Test him. Test the wonderful counselor. See if he shows up. See if he shows up in the storm. And let us turn away from the things that aren't wonderful, the things that aren't powerful, the things that are powerless to help us, uncertain things. Jesus offers to us a life of flourishing, He actually wants us to experience hope and peace and joy and love. Jesus is uniquely able to give us the needed direction in this life. In the storms, wait for him. Trust in him. Pursue him. In the chaos, you can know that he is perfect in his sovereign timing. And unlike anything else in creation, Jesus is truly and utterly our wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son, for giving us a child born in a manger. It's just a wild story think that the God of the universe universe was born in a dank, dirty manger. Lord, as you come to us in this Advent season, Lord, we want to wait for you expectantly, excitedly, knowing that you're going to show up, knowing that you're going to be there in power and in care. Continue to reveal yourself to us this morning as we go from here. Amen.